pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Psalm says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endurance to all, endureth to all generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This coming Thursday, we dedicate a day to thanksgiving, or the giving of thanks. And our opening scripture this morning not only tells us to be thankful, but it tells us who to be thankful to. And most people associate Thanksgiving with turkey. Nothing wrong with that. Turkey, good. But we associate it with turkey, overeating, drinking beer, and watching football. And once we've eaten our dessert, Thanksgiving is over. And it seems like we forget the true meaning of the holiday. Thanksgiving is a day to give thanks and praise to God. I mean, all the blessings that he's given us for all the good things that he's done to us and it's also a time for us to uh, come into penitence and to pray for our nation and for the healing of our nation yes. God knows our nation needs healing today amen? amen and we humbly repent of our sins and our selfishness this is what uh, Abraham Lincoln had in mind when he declared this to be a national holiday in the 1700s. And it's great to have a holiday that's dedicated to the giving of thanks. But every day should be a day of thanksgiving. I pause there because I don't want it to be one word, thanksgiving, because then you think turkey and I lose you. So I'm saying thanksgiving, giving of thanks. And we should recognize the goodness of God every day, not just once a year. As a matter of fact, I think it should be a continual, daily attitude that we should have. We should have, I don't, I even hate to say it like this, it's been said a million times, but an attitude of gratitude. Sounds good, it rhymes. But in our opening scripture, we find the mention of the Lord in every one of the five verses that we read. And although his name is not specifically mentioned in verse four, the inference is there because it says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So it didn't say the Lord, but we know it's talking about him because it's his gates and it's his courts. 
And why am I pointing that out? Because a lot of people don't really know what to be thankful for or who they're, who they're to be thankful to. It's entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we're to be thankful to the Lord. He makes it all possible. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but the giving of thanks is almost always associated with praise. It's hard to give the Lord true thanks without giving him praise. Yes. And for that matter, it's hard to praise the Lord without giving him thanks. And if you really realize all that he's done for you and your family and your loved ones, then there's no way that you can thank him without praising him. Amen? But if you take a minute to think about it, you'll realize that one day is not enough time to thank him and praise him for all that he's done. And if we would meditate on his goodness just for a little while, we'll come to a place where we realize just how much we don't deserve how good he is to us. I mean, a lot of people think that's, that's what grace is. It's his undeserved favor, undeserved man, uh, uh, love and un undeserved forgiveness. And it is all of that. He, we, we don't deserve what he did for us, but he did it for us anyway. And that while we were yet sinners, not even likable, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to straighten our lives up. He didn't wait for us to stop sinning and get on the right path. He died for us while we were haters of God. Amen. That's love. That's something for us to be grateful for. And we live in a society for the most part. Not everybody's like this. We got some wonderful young men and women in here uh, that are not like what I'm about to describe here, but uh, as a whole or for the most part, we live in a society that doesn't know the meaning of thanks anymore. So ungrateful. Uh, and, and it's no surprise because the Apostle Paul told us it would be this way in the last days. In 2 Tim Timothy 3, 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul says, This know also, that in the last days, the days we're living in right now, perilous times shall come. How many know times are perilous right now, Justin? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. Uh, doesn't mean they need a depends. It means they're unrestrained. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, high, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. If that don't describe this society we're living in today, I don't know what does. And it's not just in our country. It's pretty much worldwide. And uh, I just want to take a minute on lovers of their own selves, because these people have a hard time appreciating things or uh, even being able to say thanks. Uh, I can see them at their Thanksgiving table now, you know, if they even celebrate it, because most of them don't celebrate it. I thank myself for me. I worked so hard for everything I have. I bought my house. I bought my car. I bought my boat. I put all that money in the bank. 
I'm so thankful for me. I, 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 my, my, my. See, they don't realize who made it all possible or how easy it would be for them to lose it all. And if this doesn't describe a great many of our present day generation, then I don't know what does. And there's a lot of people that don't believe in the holiday of Thanksgiving because they don't think they have anything to be thankful for. And these same people don't even like our country. That's why they won't celebrate Thanksgiving. And so they're certainly not going to be thankful for it. They're not thankful for our veterans. They're not thankful for our flag. They're not thankful for our national anthem. They're not thankful for our police, our teachers. They're not even thankful for their own parents. Do you know what would make me thankful? If all those haters <laughs> that want to destroy our country would just leave. Amen. Nothing holding them here. Just leave. The borders are open. You can, it's not hard to leave. I even know some millionaires that will give you a plane ticket to leave. If you hate it so much here, leave. But you know why you're not leaving? Because you know there's no better place to go. As bad as our country is, with all the faults that our country has, it's still the best country in the world. So, get glad or get mad, it don't make me any difference. The reason they're so unthankful is because there's a, a spirit of entitlement that's in this not just this nation, mostly in this nation, I would say, but it's it's throughout the world. And, and it, a lot of these types of things come in gradually, but this thing seems like it came in in a whirlwind. You know, I mean, just whoosh. And we have a spirit of entitlement in the country. They feel like they're owed everything. And again, not everybody. I know some very young men and women that are gainfully employed and trying their best to make a, a living for themselves. But for the most part, they want everything handed to them on a silver platter. They want free education, free health care, free rent, free cell phones, free groceries, free everything. They want everything that hard people work for, but they don't want to work for it. They want it handed to them. And you know what? That's bad enough, but they feel like they deserve it. They feel like they're entitled to it. But in reality, nobody owes us anything. Especially God. He don't owe us anything. And thankfulness is all about that attitude I was talking about. That attitude of gratitude. It's uh, and this generation as a whole has a terrible attitude. I mean, if you don't believe me when I say they don't want to work, just look at the country. Go to places. You know, uh, Passerette went to a dollar store yesterday. One girl working in there, a young lady, one girl working in there, she's trying to stock shelves and running back and forth to the registers to help people with the registers. One person, and she was mad, and she had an attitude, and I don't blame her, but people don't want to work. 
There's plenty of jobs out there, plenty of work out there, but there seems to be a shortage of workers. Not a shortage of people that can work, but a shortage of workers. And why should they work if they get everything for free? The great apostle Paul, he could teach us something about thankfulness. But the biggest thing I want you to notice is his attitude. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he says this, Rejoice evermore. And Paul's going through it. He, he knew what it was to be in abundance. He knew what it was to be abased. He knew what it was to be in lack. I know what it is to be rich, and I know what it is to be poor, and I know that rich is better than poor. Amen? And Paul was like that. He says, Rejoice evermore. Even when he didn't have anything to rejoice about, he found something to rejoice about. He says, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. That's a big statement. In everything, give thanks. I know a lot of things I don't want to be thankful for. But he says, in everything, give thanks. And we're going to explain that in a minute. But he said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So he's saying it's the will of God that we be thankful in everything. Yes. He wants us to be thankful. And Apostle Paul was a man of many sorrows. And he suffered uh, a great deal of pain. And yet he was still able to write this. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And most people focus on the pray without ceasing part. And they say, no one can pray without ceasing. Why not? You're on your cell phone without ceasing. You're on social media without ceasing. You're getting mugged and carjacked because you don't know what's going on around you because you're on your phone without ceasing. So, you know, prayer without ceasing, probably more possible than you think. And it doesn't mean that God wants us to pray 24 hours a day. He knows we have responsibilities. He knows we have jobs, children to take care of, uh, relatives to help, and houses to clean and all that. But he does expect us to be in constant communication with him throughout the day. He's always with us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's filled our heart. I mean, he's dwelling in our heart. This is the temple of God. So he's always with us. He's saying, have constant communication with me. Talk to me. Talk to me as though I was walking alongside of you. Ask me questions. Ask me for things. Ask me for the answers that you need. That's all he's saying. Uh, and go about your life. Do the things that you have to do. But acknowledge that I'm there with you. All day and all night. If you wake up in the middle of the night, I'm there. That's what praying without ceasing is. Just give the intention that you give your cell phone. Sorry, right. You don't have to say amen. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that unthankful, unappreciative people are unhappy, usually grumpy, 
and above all, miserable people. They're never satisfied with what they have, and they're always focused on what they don't have, and so they're always striving to get these things, and it makes them miserable because they're never content with what they have. And you know, Paul said, I have learned, therefore, to be content in whatsoever state I'm in. So contentment is something that you have to learn. It's not nothing that, you know, just falls on you or something. You have to train yourself in contentment. You have to overcome the temptation of wanting that next thing in your life and say, no, I'm just going to be content with where I am and what I have. You have to learn that. And one of the greatest privileges of being a Christian or a child of God is to have the capacity and the ability to be content. To have the capacity and ability to give thanks in everything, like Paul said, no matter what the circumstances are in our life at the present time, we can find something to be thankful for. Of course, we don't thank God for tragedies. Oh, I broke my leg. Thank God. Hallelujah. No, he don't expect us to thank him for tragedies. But we can thank him that it wasn't worse than it was. Broke my leg. You could have broke your back. We can thank him that as bad as it was, we made it through and we're still here and we're still standing. Might be with a crutch. Michael, but you're still standing. Hallelujah. In our weakness, God can make us strong. He wants to make us strong. Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. How? In the Lord. And it's when we're struggling that God is able to really work in our lives. We don't give him opportunity otherwise. I know he's helped me and my wife through a lot of hard times and uh, times that we could have never made it through on our own. And I've learned to be thankful and content even in the most difficult circumstances that we face. Of course, I'm not thankful for the bad circumstances, but I'm able to find things to be thankful for in the difficult times and in the circumstances. See, I don't believe Paul is saying that we have to be thankful for our problems, but rather be thankful in them. And being thankful in them allows God to use them for our greater good. Admitting to God that I'm weak and I need your help is, gives him the opportunity to strengthen me and give me the help that I need. Excuse me one minute. I'm dry as a chip. You know, it's so easy to be thankful when everything is going our way and things are happening in the way that we expect and want them to happen. Uh, but we should be able to uh, rise above any situation, any circumstance uh, that we find ourselves in. And we should be able to thank God for and realize that he's causing all things to work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose, to those that love him. And in spite of all the bad things that are going on in our, in, in our country right now, like high fuel prices, high energy costs, 
high grocery prices, shortages, high crime, and so on and so forth. I don't have to tell you what they are. You're living in them. But you know what? I don't like high gas prices no more than you do. But uh, one thing I'm thankful for is that every time I go to the gas station, I can fill my tank. Every time I go to the grocery store, even though I can't get everything that I would like to get, I get enough to feed my family. We can find things to be thankful for. And in spite of it all, I still believe we're a people and a nation that has truly been blessed by God and is being blessed by God. And in case you didn't know, Christmas is right around the corner. I just spoiled somebody's afternoon. And most of us have a Christmas wish list. I'm one of the few that don't. I hate to get that question, what do you want for Christmas? I hate that question. <laughs> I hate to see my birthday come around. Not because I'm a year older, but because my family's going to ask me, what do you want for your birthday? I don't know. I don't have a list. But normal people have a list. Normal people have something that they want or need. And then after Christmas, we'll have a a list of resolutions for the new year. Again, I don't have a list. Because I know whatever resolution I make, I'm probably going to break. I can even spiritualize it. God says don't swear by heaven or by earth. James says that tomorrow ain't promised to us. So. But anyway, people have resolution lists or things that they want to overcome or overlook in the new year, one or the other, but how about a Thanksgiving list? Now, I have that list. A list of things that we should be thankful for. And it's not hard to make a list like that. You can start writing right now, and you would write till tonight sometime. Because there's, there's that many things to thank God for. Let me give you an example of a Thanksgiving list that some housewives put together. They wrote down some of the things that they were especially thankful for. Automatic dishwashers because they make it possible for us to get out of the kitchen before the family comes back in for the leftovers. <laughs> I think Pastor Edward wrote this one. She's thankful for husbands who perform small repair jobs around the house because they usually make them big repair jobs and Give me an excuse to call the professionals and get it fixed right. Thankful for children who always put away their things and clean up after themselves. They're such a joy, you hate to see them go when their parents come to pick them up. Thankful for teenagers because they give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. Thankful for smoke alarms because they let me know when the turkey's done. And then someone wrote a more serious list of which they were thankful for. I'm thankful for taxes that I pay. Who's thankful for taxes? But I'm thankful for the taxes I pay because it means I have a job. Thankful for the clothes that fit a little snug because it means I have more than enough to eat. 
thankful for a lawn that needs mowing and windows that need washing and gutters that need cleaning because it means I have a home. Thankful for my heating bill because it means that me and my family are warm. Thankful for the piles of laundry because it means I have loved ones nearby. And this is what Paul is talking about. You can be thankful for everything in every situation if you look for the good that's in it. And this is, this is what Paul is saying, that if you look, you can find things to be thankful for rather than complain about it. I'm guilty. I complain about things sometimes. Thank God I have a helper to correct me. Now, our list might not all be the same, but I'm certain that we all have things to be thankful for if you think about it. And I'm convinced that if, he, if we wrote some of these things down, we would find that we have more to be thankful for than we think. I'm sure on our list of things to be thankful for, we would include major things, you know, like life, health, family, friends, and again, despite all its flaws, this great nation that we're living in. But most of all, we should be thankful for our salvation. Thankful for God's mercy that's renewed every day. Thankful that because of what Jesus did, we're free from sin, free from hell, and our bodies are healed. So much to celebrate with thanksgiving and praise. What we can learn from the Apostle Paul is that he put his emotional, mental, and spiritual focus on the good things that he had in Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul is the one that wrote all the in him, in Christ scriptures. And he was describing all the benefits that we have in Christ and the benefits we have with Christ being in us. He understood that. He was appreciative. He had an attitude of thanksgiving. He never dwelt on the negative or the things that he didn't have in his life. And this is where a lot of us fall short. We always focus, rather than on the things that we have, we focus on the things that we don't have. And that's what makes us unhappy and miserable. Because we all think we deserve much more than what we actually have. And maybe you do. But it might not be your time right now. But stay in faith. It's coming. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5 in the NIV says, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now most of us would focus on this thing about sexual immorality and impurity. But it says greed is mentioned in the same passage of scripture, same sentence. And he says because these are all improper for God's holy people. And then he says nor should there be obscenity foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So in other words, all you know, there's 
obscenities and foolish talk and uh, dirty jokes and off-colored comments and all of this, rather than those come out of our mouth, he's saying thanksgiving should be coming out of our mouths. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's not just people involved in sexual sins that don't have an inheritance. It's people that are lustful and greedy. They also lost their inheritance in the kingdom of God. And the majority of this passage is pretty straightforward. There are important principles here that shouldn't be overlooked. And because of its subject matter, it's easy to skip over the words greed and thanksgiving and focus on the sexual stuff. But greed is another word for lust. And some translations have translated it like that. The word covet, covetousness has also been used. And these are not bad words. It's not bad to lust for something. Right now you're thinking of sexual sins, but it's not bad to lust for more of God, to lust for more love from our spouse, to lust for a better car. Uh, these, it's not a bad word. What you use it in could be bad, but it can also be good. And you can certainly be greedy or lustful in your sexual appetite, but you also lust uh, after or towards greediness and for money, for foods, for cars, for a house, for power. There's a lot of things that you can lust after, and they're not all bad, but they're not all good. So when you're operating in greed or lust, the problem is you're focusing on what you don't have rather than what you do have. In other words, you're so miserable because of the things that you don't have that you overlook the things that you do have. And it causes us not to be thankful. I'm not thankful for my car because I want a better car. I'm not thankful for my house because I want a bigger house. I'm not thankful for my wife. No. Raise that. But I want a prettier wife. So in other words, you're so miserable because of the things that you don't have you overlook the things that you do have. And that's why Paul exhorts us to thanksgiving. Not the holiday, but the giving of thanks. He says, it will encourage us to healthy action. Thanksgiving or thankfulness is the polar opposite of greed or lust. So when we practice a life of thanksgiving, one of the major benefits is that it keeps us from lusting after things and being greedy for things. That's why Paul exhorts us to be thankful in everything. Even the things that you don't feel qualified. And Paul also tells us in the fourth chapter of Philippians that because of thankfulness and knowing how to rejoice, it taught him how to be content in all things. Being thankful and rejoicing teaches us how to be content in all things. And he's not telling us not to be ambitious or not to strive for better things 
are not to have a desire for better things, a better life, a better house, a better car, a better whatever. He's not telling us not to strive for those things, but what he's saying is on your journey there, be content with where you're at. Be content with what you have and stay thankful for that. And then God will promote you to the bigger, better, more expensive things. Unhealthy desires or lust will cause us to be content with all the things that God has blessed us with. And it will cause us to focus all our attention on all the things that we don't have. And we lose focus of where we're at. Uh, did you ever realize that when you keep looking forward to something, you don't appreciate the things that are around you, including your family? It causes you to lose focus of what you have and who's around you. And, uh, you know, I know people that go into mourning and they get into what I call a bad state of grief. Grief is good, but eventually you move on from it. And they get into a bad state of grief and they mourn 24 hours a day. They wake up mourning. They go to bed mourning the loss of a loved one. And I understand that. I'm not belittling that. Uh, and I'm not saying that there's something wrong with those people. But I will say this. It causes them to lose sight of those that are still here. Those that need your attention. Those that need your love. You know, leave the past in the past. Leave the future in the future. Concentrate on what you have here and now. Amen? Amen? Live life with no regrets. See, that was Adam and Eve's problem. They had everything. They had all the trees in the garden, all the plants, all the bushes, all the ants. They had everything in the garden. And there was gold and silver there, too. So Eve had all the jewelry that she could have wanted But because they were not content with all the things that they had, and rather than focus on that, they focused on the one thing they couldn't have, and it caused sin to come into the world. And think about this for a minute. The devil never called Eve to the tree. The devil never enticed her to the tree. The devil never told her to come to the tree. He met her there. And the reason he didn't have to entice her to come to the tree is because she was already standing there, Miss Karen, staring at him. He just took advantage of an opportunity. And see, the devil doesn't know what your desires are until you show them or tell them. Then he knows what to do. Then he knows the strategy he must take to get you hooked. But God told them not to mess with that one little tree. But you can have all the other trees. And it seemed like that was all they could focus on was the one tree that they couldn't have. Why couldn't they be content with all of the things that they had? Why can't we be content with all the things that we have? Take inventory. You've got a lot more than you think you do. If she was thankful and content for what she did have, 
everything in the garden is what she had, she would have never focused on the one thing that she didn't have. Now, I don't know how long it took for her to get to that place where she was no longer content with everything God gave her. It might have been a long time, but she eventually got there. If she was thankful for everything that God gave her, though, all the rest of the garden, the devil would have never been able to entice her or tempt her with that tree. She would have said, what? I don't need that tree. You see all the trees that God has given me, the rivers and the brooks, the gold and the silver, even the bushes and the berries. You see all this stuff? Why would I want that? But she wasn't content, so she went for the tree. Thankfulness with contentment brings you godliness, and it also causes you to focus on what you do have and not on what you don't have. There's a lot of things to learn about thankfulness, isn't there? Concentrate and be thankful on the content with what you do have. The devil would like to do nothing more than to get you to dwell on what you don't have just like he did Eve. And when he sees you staring at that thing that you don't have, he knows where your desires are, he knows where your lust is, he knows where your heart is, and he's going to go to work on you. And he's going to say, hath God said? He's going to get you to doubt the word. He's going to get you to take your eyes off of God's promises and all the things that God has already given you and get you to focus and, and, and try to get you to believe that you need that one thing more than anything else that God has given you or God has for you. And it will cause you to sin. Because sin is actually the trading of gratitude for greed and lust. The trading of thanksgiving for greed and lust. And if you're struggling with something, you should try to focus on the things that you do have. Focus on the blessings that God has already given you and your family. Uh, the blessing of friendships and relationships and your family and your children, your spouse, the good times that you share, the memories that you have. Focus on them. Don't let the devil see what you're struggling with. And be thankful for the talents that God gave you. One of the worst things that somebody can do is try to be like somebody else or want to be like somebody else. God made you unique. He wants you to be yourself. He wants you to discover your talents, your gifts, and he wants you to operate in that realm, not somebody else's gifts. That's, all that does is, is makes you feel worse about yourself, not better. When you start comparing, you're, in a, you're on a path to trouble. Don't compare yourself to people. God don't want you to be like nobody else but yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We should be even thankful for the responsibilities that we have in our lives. Oh, I got so much responsibility. I go out the front door and I meet myself at the back door and I just don't have time for this and time for that. Hey, maybe it's just bad scheduling or something, but the responsibilities that you have, the true responsibilities that God gave you, not the ones you took on for yourself, but the true responsibilities that God gave you, you should be thankful for that. God trusted you enough with that responsibility to give it to you. 
If he didn't think you could handle it, he wouldn't have given it to you. So concentrate on that responsibility. Do your best to do your best. Especially be thankful for God's gift of salvation. There's no greater gift. I mean, uh, what Christ did for us, paying the price for our sin, taking our place, becoming our substitute, taking the stripes on his back for our healing, there's nothing more precious than that. Make a list of your blessings if you have to. Meditate about the good and honorable gifts in your life. We all have something that we can be thankful for. And then run from the temptations that lead you to want something that you don't have. Again, be ambitious. Have desires to better yourself, better your life. But don't focus on those things. Well, I lost a loved one and I miss him so bad. We hear this so much, so many people suffering with that. It's not even funny. But how can I be thankful in that? And a lot of times they're even mad at God. They blame him for that loved one they went left this earth. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. It's not easy to give thanks in situations like that. But being my age and being a pastor, I've dealt with a lot of that my life and I've seen people struggle with losing someone that they love and I'm not diminishing your loss by any means I've dealt with loss in my life too I know how hard it can be and how, how bad you can miss someone that you love but there is a way to be thankful not for the loss but in the loss what I'm about to say I've even said it a lot of funerals that I've done in my time and I would say, let's thank God for the privilege we had of knowing them. And let's thank God for the time we had with them, no matter how little or how much it was. And let's especially be thankful for the memories that we have of them. And if you'll focus on those things rather than what was me? I'm without now. What am I going to do? No, cherish the times that you have with that person. And, and then above all, the most, uh, the biggest thing you can be thankful for is that you're going to see them again. Yeah. They're not gone forever. They're in your future. And if you focus on those things, I promise you it will ease the pain that you're feeling. You'll never get over it. I'll tell you that right now. You'll never get over the loss of a loved one. They'll always be there. They'll always be in your heart. But you can get better at it. I tell you, when I start feeling bad about people, that's why I paused a minute ago. I started thinking about Gwenny. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of things about that that was really hurtful, you know. Uh, the way she had to go, where she had to go, the fact that she had to go alone and nobody could be at her side, all of those things, they tore me up for a long time. But I just kept telling myself, God, I know she's in my future. I know we're going to see her again. It's going to be sooner than we think, but I know she's in my future. She's not gone forever. 
And that brings me some comfort. I don't know what I'd do without God. I don't know what I'd do without his promises. I don't know what I'd do if, if I knew in my heart that I would never see her again or see my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and those that went on before me. I don't know how, how I would handle it if I didn't have God in my life. I don't know how to even handle it that don't have a God to believe in, that don't believe in an afterlife, don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't know how they make it. I, I'll venture to say they're probably pretty miserable. But we don't have to be. We don't grieve like the world. Amen? Every time that we dwell on what we don't have or can't have anymore, it's just a missed opportunity to be thankful for all the good things that we do have. And we can find we can find things to be thankful for, like Paul said, in everything. Yeah, it's a tragedy to lose somebody. But there's things in that that we can be thankful for. Thankfulness increases joy. Thankful people just seem to be more joyful. Whereas wrongful desires and wants and lusts, you may get those things, but as soon as you get them, you start looking for something else. There's never any contentment, never any satisfaction. That's why, you know, you have to learn to be content with what you have. And if you get that other thing, embrace it, enjoy it. But be content with it. Don't start looking for the next thing already. You haven't even made three payments on that new car and you're looking for something else. And where there's no contentment, it's going to make you miserable. Once you give in to the thing that you've been lusting for and desiring, uh, as soon as you give into it, as soon as you possess it, you start looking for the other thing. And it's just a vicious circle. It never stops. Never stops. You've got to learn how to be content and get out of that circle. I'm coming to a close here. Gratitude and, and thankfulness will energize and fuel a glad and thankful heart and mind. And the whole purpose of gratitude is to be thankful for, for uh, everything that you have rather than longing for what you don't have. And that's what leads to real joy. I know I keep beating that point, but I'm telling you, this is what people struggle with all the time. I see it. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in my life. In my younger days, I, I wanted always bigger, better, more powerful, you know, more shiny. Get a car and... Now I want the mag wheels. Get the mag wheels, now I want dual exhaust. Get the dual exhaust, now I want something else. You know, it just never ends. And, and now I'm content. A little four-cylinder Kia, I'm content. I'm happy with that car. I get in there and it starts, and I put it in drive, and I go, and I come back, and I'm content. It did what I wanted it to do. I don't care if the wheels are shiny or, or what. As long as it got good tires on it, I'm happy. Saved me a lot of money when I learned that lesson. 
Philippians, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse. I'm getting ready to close. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Don't worry about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Joy and peace comes when you prayed in faith with thanksgiving. Prayed in faith with thanksgiving for the things that you desire and you know it's on the way. Then you go into rest and you go into contentment and you're confident that it's coming. You don't know when or how, but you know it's coming and you can rest in that and you can be content in that. This is something that we have to learn. I mean, why did Paul say with thanksgiving? Because you're thanking God by faith for something you don't even have yet. You're thanking him for something that you know is in your future, but you haven't received it yet. Paul rejoiced in the Lord always. His thankfulness was not conditioned on any type of circumstance. He gave great praise to God in every circumstance. And some of his writings where he says rejoice and be joyful and be content and, and, and everything gives thanks, he wrote from a cold, wet, moldy, damp prison cell. Yeah. And he wasn't just telling us to do it, he was doing it himself. I've learned to be content therewith in every circumstance. Whether I'm in jail, whether I'm sitting in a palace, sitting at a table with a feast, I'm content either way. Not happy with being in a cell, not happy with being cold, wet, and hungry, but I'm content. That's not my permanent place. And Paul knew that all eternity would not be enough time for him to thank God for all his goodness. And if we're not thankful for what we have, we'll not be grateful when we get what we don't have. Paul wrote, in everything rejoice, always pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And then Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 30, 19, from them shall proceed the voice of thanksgiving. Who? Us. He was looking into the future and seeing us, and he's saying, from you will proceed the voice of thanksgiving. And the sound of those who make merry, and then God says, I will multiply them, and they not will be and they not will be diminished. I will multiply them, and they not will be diminished. I know it don't sound right, but that's the way Jeremiah wrote it. But multi God multiplies things in thankful people's lives. You think you got a, a, a lot now? If you're content with it and you're thankful with it, God will multiply even that which you have. He'll multiply your marriage. He'll multiply your family. He'll multiply your property. He'll multiply the things that you hold near and dear to your heart. He'll multiply your bank account. He'll multiply your health. God will multiply.
what you have when you show him some appreciation for it. And you know, God owns it all, right? Anybody in this church knows that God owns it all. The earth and all its fullness belongs to him. That means that everything that's in it and on it and around it, it all belongs to him. Yeah. And we're just stewards. If you have anything at all, it's on loan to you from God. God entrusted you with the responsibility of owning a house or driving a car, a job, all these things that you think that you work for and you earn and you're entitled to, God allowed them. Even the wealthy people, the Bible says that God gave them the power to gain wealth. Their power to gain that wealth. Yeah, they worked, they did it, they, they come up with witty ideas, but they all came from God. He gave them the power to gain that wealth. They didn't earn it on their own. I can give you two examples right now. One has to do with a social media site. All high and mighty lost $70 billion this year. Going down to the, I mean, circling the drain right now. Another one, I'll just give you some initials, FTX. Billions of dollars. He's circling the drain right now. It could change overnight, people. When you, when you don't learn how to be content and you don't learn how to be thankful and grateful for the things that God has provided from his great abundance, the earth and the fullness thereof, then you'll lose it too. Most normal people are, people are two paychecks away from a soup line. But God. Amen. God is good. We've got a lot to be thankful for. i got to close, though. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to make a liar out of you, but just make a list. Make a Thanksgiving list. Just sit down between now and Thanksgiving. Make a list of the things that God has provided for you, the things that God has given you. And then learn to be content with that, those things that he's given. Learn to be grateful, thankful for it. Teach our kids to be thankful for the things they have. Don't just hand them everything. Let them earn something once in a while. If you want to give them a gift, there's nothing wrong with that. But things that they desire and they want, let them work for it. It'll be more valuable to them. Well, he's too young to have a job. Give him something to do around the house and then reward him for it. Don't even call it pay. But I'm so proud of what you did. I'm just here's a reward for you. Let him feel like he earned it. He'll value it more. Amen. And let him know who really provided this. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We're so grateful for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. So grateful for Jesus, our salvation our healing. So thankful for everything that you've done for us, Lord, the things that you're doing now, the things that you're about to do, Lord. You have a never-ending list of things that you'd like to give us and things that we should be thankful and grateful for. Help us to be strong in this area of possessions, Lord. Help us to learn the value of them and learn where they came from and help us to learn how to be content with everything that we have. 
Nothing wrong with wanting more. Nothing wrong with wanting better or bigger, Lord. But God, as long as we keep you first, you said you'll add all those things to us. But we don't want to focus on them. We want to just be content where we're at. Enjoy what we have and what's around us right now. So this coming Thursday, Lord, I pray that everyone's table is blessed. I pray that they have a wonderful meal, whether it's a turkey, a ham, or KFC. I just pray that everybody is thankful for it. They realize where this great bounty comes from and who's responsible for it. And they show some gratitude. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.